At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we've turned the page to a new year, many are wondering what will come next and how to navigate it when it does. We invite you to tune into our series, What Now? How Tomorrow Shapes Today, as we explore the words of Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25. Together, we'll learn to look toward the future because what we believe about tomorrow defines the way we'll spend today. Let's discover God's answer to the question on everyone's mind. What now? Let's continue to worship getting into God's word. Matthew 24, 25 is where we've been over the last several weeks. And uh, these are really um, significant chapters uh, as we head into Easter, chapters 24 and 25, um, because this is the final teaching session. This is the final formal segment of teaching that Jesus leaves his disciples. If you zoom out on the Gospel of Matthew, you know, there's several of these big chunks of teaching. Matthew 5 through 7 is the most famous one, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, three chapters of Jesus teaching uninterrupted. And then there's a couple of chapters of Jesus moving around and doing things and having conversations. And then Matthew chapter 10, an entire chapter of just Jesus' teaching. It's called the Missionary Discourse, right before he sends out the 72. And then in Matthew 11 and 12, there's again some interaction and some different action scenes. And then in Matthew 13, it's this long teaching session of several different parables. And Matthew works like this. There's five chunks of teaching discourse. Well, this is the very last one, Matthew 24, 25. This is the last formal teaching session that Jesus leaves with his disciples. Matthew 26 is the last supper. He's about to be betrayed, about to be arrested, about to be crucified. This is his last time sitting down with the disciples, instructing them. And we often refer to this discourse as the Olivet Discourse because it occurred on the Mount of Olives just east of the city of Jerusalem. Um, Grace read for us earlier in the service, Matthew 21, which records Jesus coming into Jerusalem. And eventually by Matthew 23, Jesus is in the temple. And Jesus, if you've read Matthew 23, is this long verbal denunciation, just this verbal assault against the religious establishment in Jerusalem. And that really climaxed at the end of Matthew 23, when he predicts the destruction of the temple, the center of God's purposes on earth, where the Torah was located, where the presence of God was located in the Holy of Holies, Jesus says this place is going to be wiped out because of the hypocrisy and the sin of his people. Matthew 24, he wants more as they walk out of the temple to head to the Mount of Olives. As they walk out of the temple, Jesus again predicts the destruction of the temple. He says, not one stone is going to be left upon another. And then the disciples ask, when will these things be? When is the destruction of the temple going to be? And what is the sign of your coming? When is the end of the age? So they ask a twofold question coming out of the temple going towards the Mount of Olives. The first half of chapter 24 Jesus answers the first half of the question. When is the temple going to be destroyed? And we spent the first three sermons of this sermon series looking at his instruction to the disciples about when the temple is going to be destroyed. And then in chapter 24, verse 36, he switches to the second half of their question and starts to give them instruction related to the end of the age and the coming of the Son of Man. 
his second coming, the return of Christ. And that's where we still are today. Starting in chapter 24, verse 36, he gave the parable about the thief in the night. He says, that's what my second coming is going to be like, a thief in the night. And then he gives a second parable about the employer returning to check on his employees. He says, that's what my second coming is going to be like. Then he tells another parable about the 10 virgins. And then last week, we looked at the parable of the talents. And this week, this final section of Jesus' final formal instruction to his disciples is the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, it's a parable of the sheep and the goats about final judgment. So this is the last section of his final teaching segment for his disciples, and it is weighty stuff. So let's wade into this. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and the Son of Man will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then the Son of Man will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer the Son of Man, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then the Son of Man will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What reveals who we really are? How do we know who we really are? If we look at your social media feed, with all of the happy pictures, the angle just right, the clothes looking fresh, 
Maybe throw a filter on there to make things pop. Does this curated content reveal who we really are? I don't think we would say so. As one of my friends calls it in his dad joke sort of style, it's not Facebook, it's fake book. He always gets a chuckle out of that. But corny as it is, there's some truth to it. Social media posts with selfies and family photos, they present a version of ourselves, but do they reveal who we really are? Well, what about our words? What about the things we say about who we are? Do our self-declarations about who we are reveal who we really are? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a believer. When we say these things about our identity, does it mean it's really our identity? Again, I don't think we would say so. Talk is cheap, we often say. And we can all think of numerous times when someone said they would be one thing, but they ended up being another. I'm a faithful spouse. I'm a committed friend. I'm a diligent worker. That's what they said to us about themselves, but oftentimes it ends up not to mean so much. What reveals who we really are? How do we know who we really are? Well, even though our social media feeds and our self-declarations aren't reliable guides, in today's passage, Jesus teaches that there is going to be an end-time revelation about who we really are. What was hidden is going to come to light. What was covered up is going to be out in the open. And as we look at this text, we're going to see two things that reveal our identity, two things that reveal who we really are. First, Christ reveals who we are. Christ reveals who we are. So this first one is not so much what reveals who we are, but who reveals who we are. And Jesus says it's going to be him. Let's look at this, verses 31 through 32. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels come with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So Jesus' second coming is quite the contrast from his first coming. His first coming, Christmas, he was a humble babe born in a lowly cattle stall. The audience that gathered were meager shepherds and dirty farm animals. And the Christmas songs we sing go like this. Silent night, all is calm. But that is not how it will be at his second coming. When he comes again, it won't be in humility. It'll be in glory and splendor and majesty. When he returns, he won't rest in a wooden manger. He'll sit triumphant on a glorious throne. And he won't be accompanied by donkeys and cows. The armies of heaven, the angelic host, will come with him at his return. But what's he going to do sitting upon this glorious throne. Verse 32. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people 
one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So the glorious throne that Jesus sits upon is also a seat of judgment. And gathered before this glorious king and judge are all the nations. And then Jesus makes a judgment call as to whether we are a sheep or a goat. He discerns, he reveals who we are, a sheep or a goat. Now, we don't always think of it this way, but separating or sorting things is a form of judgment. So one of the most common everyday ways we do this is when we go to the grocery store. And we make our way to the produce aisle and make our way to the smaller section, say, of apples. What we then do is start to inspect the apples and to judge their worthiness of being eaten. Do they have bruises? Are there any wormholes? What we're doing is sorting, we're separating, we're judging the good from the bad. I'm going to take home the good and I'm going to leave the bad for whoever comes behind me. That's exactly what Jesus is doing here. As king and judge, he's separating, he's sorting sheep from the goats. He knows who we are, and he will reveal who we are. Are we a sheep? Are we a member of his flock, someone who's been shepherded by him, someone who followed him? Or are we a goat? An imposter, goat kind of looks like a sheep, similar shape as a sheep, makes a similar noise as a sheep, but it's not a sheep. It's a goat. And Jesus is going to reveal that about us. You can't trust what our social media feeds say about us. You can't always trust what we say about us, but you can trust Christ. He reveals who we are. You know, we live during a time that is sort of judgment-phobic. And we claim to really value diversity and inclusiveness and tolerance. And we feel strongly that no one can judge me. I want what I want. I do what I do. I live how I want to live. And you can't judge me. Live and let live. And don't judge anybody for how they live. That's kind of the spirit of our age. But at the same time, there's also the existence of what we now call cancel culture. And that's essentially what canceling something is. It's judging them. Whether it's Dr. Seuss for his racism, or Pepe Le Pew for his womanizing, or NFL players for being too political, or Starbucks for being too progressive. I mean, cancel culture's a right and left thing, isn't it? And even though we may claim to be tolerant and inclusive, the truth is we make judgments all the time. The question is not, do we judge? The question is, do we judge rightly? And the claim of the gospel is that Jesus is Lord. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, the glorious son of man. And he will return and sit on his glorious throne and he will judge rightly. He will reveal the thoughts of our hearts. He will reveal how we act in secret. He will reveal who we really are. Our efforts at judging one another are always limited at best because we're human. Because we're broken humans, furthermore. Broken by sin. 
But Jesus is true and faithful and righteous and perfectly discerning. At his return, he will reveal who we are. So let's humble ourselves before the true king and judge of the universe. Let's humble ourselves before him now, before he judges us then. Two things that will reveal our identity. Jesus will reveal who we are. And secondly, Jesus is going to share something about the criteria for which he makes his judgment of us. He's going to share the basis upon which he identifies who we are. So this is crucial intel here, to examine ourselves and know that by which we'll be judged. Here it is. He's going to say, our actions reveal who we are. Our actions reveal who we are. Jesus will reveal who we are, and the basis of his judgment is our actions. So look again at verse 40. This verse really sums up everything he says from verses 33 through 39. Jesus is speaking to the sheep, those he says who will inherit his kingdom. And he says this, truly I say to you, as you did, in other words, as you acted, as you did it to one of the least of me, these my brothers, you did it to me. When you acted by feeding the hungry, when you acted by welcoming the foreigner, when you acted by clothing the naked, when you acted by tending to the sick, when you acted by visiting the prisoner, that's how I know who you were. That's how I know you're my sheep because you acted like it. And I must draw our attention to a certain aspect of what Jesus is saying here. Notice that the list of actions does not read like this. You acted by showing kindness to the rich. You acted by showing generosity to the attractive and good-looking. You acted by showing hospitality to the powerful and influential. It doesn't read like that, does it? Jesus doesn't identify his, tree, his sheep by how they treat some rich businessman or some attractive model or some powerful politician. No, Jesus identifies his sheep by their actions toward the poor, toward the broken, toward the outcast, towards the lowly, because everybody's kind to the wealthy. They're wealthy. Everybody's welcoming to the good-looking. They're good-looking. Everybody's Gracious to the powerful, they're powerful. But how do you treat the hungry? How do you act toward the foreigner? How do you act toward the naked, the sick, the imprisoned, the vulnerable? Are you indifferent? Are you uncaring? Are you actionless? then Jesus says, you're a goat. He reveals who we are. He is going to uncover this about us. Church, Jesus is not impressed by our acts of kindness towards impressive people. 
Jesus is not impressed by our acts of kindness towards impressive people. Instead, the refuse of the world is the priority of heaven. Those that the world does not care about are exactly the ones that heaven cares about. Who's being marginalized? Who's being oppressed? Who's being forgotten? How we treat these people, how we act towards these people formulates the standard by which we will be judged. As we've mentioned, Jesus brings up several examples here. The poor, the hungry, the foreigner, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned. But we could add to that list. The fatherless. The orphan. The unborn. Single mothers. The mentally challenged. Immigrants. Widows. Widowers. I've mentioned to you guys before that I had the opportunity to work in a nursing home my first two years out of university, and this was a nice nursing home. Well-trained staff, well-paid staff, nice facilities in a nice part of town, but there were a lot of widows and widowers there, and a lot of chronically sick people who lived there, and at times, I'd walk into a room, and the loneliness was palpable. We had a few residents there even take their own lives because it's hard. But there was a group of saints from Briarwood Presbyterian Church, and they came to our skilled nursing facility every Monday afternoon, and they would bring the leftover flowers from the wedding that took place at their church the previous weekend. They would put them in smaller vases and give them to each one of our residents. They'd visit each room with this gift and they'd pray with them and they'd sing hymns over them and they'd read scripture for them. They tended to the sick. They visited the lonely with the love of Christ. This past week, Pastor Gary shared this story with me about one of our members here. Many of you guys may not know this if you're relatively new to the church, but three years ago, I think to the month, March 2018, Pastor Gary, due to some health issues, went into a coma for 10 days or maybe even two weeks, something like that. Just totally out, full coma. And one of the sisters here, she's a massage therapist of some sort, and I'm sure she got Helga's permission, but she visited Pastor Gary in the hospital and massaged his feet. And prayed over him as she did so. Praying for his healing and his recovery. And I couldn't help think about Jesus doing a similar thing for his own disciples just a few days before he died for them. This thankless task to a person in a vulnerable time. Church, Jesus is not impressed with our acts of kindness towards impressive people. Our actions reveal who we are, specifically our actions towards the poor, hungry, naked, broken, and outcast. So what's your posture towards these groups? Is your heart moved by their plight? Are your hands working towards whatever way you can help to serve, give, support? What opportunities has God put before you? 
doesn't have to be something that requires a trip around the world or giving a whole bunch of money. Sometimes it's just one trip up 24 to the hospital. Sometimes it's just one phone call to check in. It could just be simple actions like this, but the point is that it's actions. The point is that it's doing something. Our actions reveal who we are. It's true for sheep and it's true for goats. Listen to what Jesus says in these final words of the Olivet Discourse, verses 41 through 46. Then Jesus will say to those on his left, the goats, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you did nothing. You gave me no food. I was thirsty and you did nothing. You gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did nothing. You didn't welcome me. I was naked and you did nothing. You didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did nothing. You didn't visit me. Then the goats will answer them, Lord, when? They didn't know. They were unaware. They lived their whole lives in a delusion to the opportunities God had given them to prove who they are, to prove their faith is real. We didn't know when. They got to the final day and they were surprised. When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you as a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? When did we not minister to you? Then the Son of Man will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Friends, Jesus is not playing around. If our hearts have truly received the mercy of Christ, then we will become people who extend that same mercy through lives of service and sacrifice. Run your mind back over the last 365 days. All of the rancor, all of the arguing, all of the bickering, all of the wasted rage over politics and masks and vaccines and whatever other. Petty. In light of this, it is all petty. The election that took place a few months ago is meaningless in light of eternity. This is what matters. 
Our children aren't even remember who those two guys are. It's petty. It's meaningless. It's wasted rage. This is what matters. If we have truly received the mercy of Christ, then we will become people who extend that same mercy through lives of service and sacrifice. Faith without works is dead, James says. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith Working through love, the apostle says. The call of the gospel is to trust in Jesus and to live like Jesus. The call of the gospel is to repent of our sin and to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. As Martin Luther famously said, we are saved by faith alone, but our faith is never alone. We also live out our faith through acts of compassion, love, and generosity. What reveals who we really are? How do we know who we really are? We may run, We may hide, we may try to cover up who we really are, we may make self-declarations about who we are, but friends, Jesus is going to reveal who we are in truth. He came first in meekness and humility to bring salvation, but he is coming again in glory and splendor and majesty to bring judgment. And the standard of his judgment that he emphasizes here is our actions, the way we live. Not just how we show up for an hour on Sunday, but how we act Monday through Saturday. So church, let's judge ourselves. Let's examine ourselves. For every one thought of judgment we have about somebody else, there should be 10 about ourselves. Take the plank out of your eye, Jesus said. You're so fixated on the speck in your brother's eye, you don't see the log coming out of your own eye. And you're blinded by hypocrisy. Church, let's judge ourselves. For every one thought of judgment about anybody else, there should be 10 about ourselves because we are going to have to answer for ourselves. We're going to have to answer for how we acted towards the least of these. So let's be honest with ourselves about who we are now because the day will come when Jesus reveals it in truth. And there will be No denying. There will be no excuses. The light of his judgment will reveal all with perfect clarity. Every mouth of self-defense will be shut. And we will stand before the bar of his judgment for how we acted. Church, let's judge ourselves now.
Let's be honest with ourselves now and be prepared for that day then. Lord, help us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning and we confess that we have oftentimes used the truth. We have oftentimes used your word as a bat against other people instead of using it as a mirror to look at our own lives. And so, God, we thank you for this word this morning that is crystal clear. We thank you for the Lord Jesus this morning and his word that is painfully precise, gets to our hearts. Lord, we come before you and confess. God, we pray in light of our brokenness, in light of our sins, in light of our failures, that you would draw each one of us to the cross where Jesus, in humility, identified with the oppressed, where Jesus, in weakness, identified with the marginalized, Jesus identified with the outcast as he hung on the cross, as a criminal. God, we come to that cross for salvation. We come to that cross for grace. We come to that cross for forgiveness, for the ways we've fallen short, for the times that we shut our door to a foreigner, to the times that we held on to our resources instead of sharing with the poor, for the times that we looked the other way when we saw someone in pain. God, forgive us. And God, transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit as we follow Jesus, make us more like him. Help us to become servants of all, slaves of all, not clinging to our own rights, not fighting for our own way, not asserting our own opinion, but living for others, considering others more significant than ourselves. Transform us, God. Lord, we're gonna sing this last song and it's a prayer. Receive it, answer it, make us more like your son. In his name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.